Welcome to the Brave Faith Podcast. Here, we desire to inspire listeners to receive brave faith through real-life stories and biblical insights. Enjoy the show. So here we are. I am your host, Mariah Sloan, with my parents, Thomas and Sheila Sloan. And in the last episode, we talked about what led them up to really realizing their callings as well as meeting at the ministry where they met. So what led them up to that ministry? And then we've talked about them dating. And so we're going to continue the story today with talking about the motorcycle accident. Hmm. Yeah, Uh, June of 1989, I had been over to Sheila's apartment and she had fixed dinner and we were sitting around talking afterwards and I just told her, I said, I just don't, I can't even stand the thoughts of getting up and going to work tomorrow. I don't know what's going on. I just, uh, I'm just having, struggling with that concept of going to work tomorrow. And <clears throat> I had just purchased a motorcycle and driven it all the way from Bat- from Greenville to South Carolina to Baton Rouge and, um, uh, that weekend, the week, a couple of Friday and Saturday or so, and um, so we we had gone out that day and ridden around on the motorcycle, and uh, I filled up with gas, and we went back to her place, and she fixed dinner. We finished eating and talking a little while. I went home, and on my way home, I was cruising down the interstate. Interstate 10 and had the radio going on the motorcycle. It was a big uh, motorcycle. And all of a sudden, I get, uh, I'm, I'm not far from my exit, and I start, I revved it up, you know, and was going pretty fast and start slowing down, uh, approaching. Not, I wasn't to my exit, but I was just slowing down some. And the bike went into what they call a high-speed wobble. And it was shaking so hard, I couldn't even control it. I couldn't see, you know, what was going on. It was just shaking me. So I went down. I slid on, I stayed on the bike for, I think it was 346 feet. They, They measured it. And then I came, the bike went on 420 something feet. And so I I tried to ride it out, but uh, I was banged up, crushed my jaw, uh, broke it on, crushed on the right side, broken on the left side, uh, had road rash all over me, broke my left hand, uh, just a mess, beat up, banged up, knocked teeth out. Thank God you can get them at the dentist's office. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> So I was in terrible shape, and they took me in. There, there was a guy that had seen the the uh, sparks from the road from my right, motorcycle scraping, and he worked at the hospital. So he turned around and came the wrong way back down the interstate to to get to me. Wow! So because he he knew what had happened. He knew that I had crashed. So I, he came back and 
But unbeknownst to him, I had the bike was in the middle of the interstate, and there was a great separation there between the lanes, the east and westbound. I uh, had gotten up. I would take a step or two and fall down, and and I made my way to the emergency lane, you know, off the interstate there, and. Uh, just sat down when I got there and he comes up and also a nurse from the hospital comes up and they call an ambulance and and get it get it started out to me and she had some gauze in her car and she uh, I remember I had a flashback later on in the process but I remember sitting there holding that gauze up to my mouth so I go to the hospital and uh, they wanted a, a number to call and I couldn't remember. I, I was so banged up I couldn't remember her number, Sheila's number. But I told them uh, to call Jimmy Swaggart Ministries and, and get in touch with Sheila Lindley. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they eventually did and she came and well, what they did was they didn't know my number, but they knew Dudley's number. So they called Dudley, mm-hmm. and Dudley called me. Dudley Smith. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I had been getting prank phone calls. Oh, my goodness. And this was about, you know, this was later in the evening. It was probably about 11 midnight. or midnight, midnight, close to midnight anyway. Midnight. So... Um, I get this phone call, and it says, uh, Sheila, this is Dudley. And I was like, this is not Dudley. What would Dudley be doing calling me? So I hung up on him. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes, because I thought it was a prank phone call. Yeah. And so um, I think he may have tried again, and I did again, and I turned my ringer off. Mm. I mean, I had no idea Thomas had a motorcycle accident or anything. Yeah. So in a few minutes, a banging comes knocking on my door, and it's uh, Dudley had called a team member of ours, Kim, mm-hmm. and Kim came to the door and said, Sheila, Sheila, and she was yelling. You were neighbors. Yeah, she lived in the building behind me. And so uh, anyway, I went to the door and I said, what in the world is going on? And then she told me, Thomas has had an accident. They're trying to get in touch with you. And so then I started calling hospitals, emergency rooms, and because I thought, well, he lives close to Gonzales, so maybe they took him to the Gonzales, you know, hospital. But they didn't. They took him to Baton Rouge to Our Lady of the Lake. So, anyway, I show up at the emergency room, a waiting room. But then, uh, I mean, it wasn't too long, and the whole team showed up. Mm. And uh, we you were guys were like there. family. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. We were in there, and everybody was just praying, and nobody was giving us in for any information about Thomas. You know, there was nothing going on. So, yeah. I mean, we kept asking, but they wouldn't say anything. There was no family members there of his, you know. Mm. And so, um, but finally, about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, this was, yeah. And we had been sitting there for hours. Wow. And um, they came and, and said, Thomas is okay. And um, they let me come back to see him. And so when I did... You know, the sight was pretty, Yeah, it was a lot to behold, you know, because his head was really swollen. And they still hadn't cleaned him up after all this time. Mm. 
I'm not sure if they had just been overwhelmed that night or if they didn't expect him to live or, you know, what. But anyway, I could tell that his jaw was offset and, you know, he still had gravel and blood and everything, you know, everywhere. He was still had his clothes on. He was a mess. So I got to see him and I was, you know, I, I felt at that point that I knew he was going to be okay. I just felt like he was going to be okay that, mm-hmm. you know, I knew he had injuries and there was stuff going on, but but I knew that he was going to live and he was going to be okay. Mm. And um, so I call. He is coherent enough to give me Ruby's number, his sister. And so wow. he said, you need to call Ruby, and, and my family needs to know. Mm-hmm. And so I went, and, of course, that was before cell phone, so I had to go to pay phone and call. And I called Ruby and told her, and I called my mother and and I told her what happened, and I said, you need to alert, you know, the prayer team, and, you know, Thomas is going to need a lot of prayer and a lot of care and that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, I did that, and I went back to the waiting room, I remember, and then in an hour or two, a plastic surgeon came in because the doctor had told me um, he doesn't have an upper lip and, you know, we'll have to do this and this, and but they were going to have to call specialists in to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And so the plastic surgeon came and, and um, got me and took me back to Thomas. And he said, ma'am, I don't know what, I don't know what these doctors saw, mm-hmm. but he said, he's got an upper lip just as sure as the world. Wow. He said, I don't know. I don't know why if well, they just didn't ground, see it. Yeah, it was ground up. Yeah, <laughs> it was messed up. But he, he but he said, yeah. Together. But he said, I don't know what they saw. But in that moment, I felt like that prayers were already starting to work. Yeah. That the prayers we had been praying, and that you know we had with his family and my family and everything that that God was already moving in the situation. Mm-hmm. You know that that's how I felt at that moment when he said that. Yeah. And um, so. I think the doctor went ahead and started. Didn't he start working I on you know. then? I'm not I sure, know, but then he had to have surgeries. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay. He he started. They started. One of the doctors fussed at him and and said, "Why didn't you clean this man up?" And and uh, cause you know there's a real threat of infection in that yeah. case, but. Uh, so I'm 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 in there, and unbeknownst to me, uh, Donnie Swaggart told me later. He said, "Man, I was sitting right next to you, and all of a sudden, teeth and buttons started popping over into my under the curtain where I was. Oh he my was goodness. he was having a some some kind of I don't remember headaches. I think migraines something or something that took him yeah. to the ER, mm. and he was next to me." And didn't wow. even know who it was. Oh my goodness! And uh, when they cut my shirt off, uh, he said it, it, it had teeth that was stuck to it because it knocked out several of my teeth. And uh, but uh, yeah, th- there was a a long process of uh, putting me back together. They took me into surgery for my jaw and I don't remember the process of it all I was out of it most of the time but I do know they they wired my jaw back together on the right side and wired my mouth shut and I lived that way for 11 weeks mm. and uh, they had the nurse come in and they were cleaning my wounds, and she picked up my arm, my left arm, 
with the little finger on my left hand that was broken. Oh my goodness! And she didn't she, know. I'm trying to scream, but I Nobody can't knew. scream because uh, I'm wired shut already at this point. And uh, she, nobody knew, and I, and and uh, by this time, my family had come in, and Mike and Judy was in there. My sister Judy and her husband, and they, uh, I motioned to them to get me something to write on because I, I, I couldn't talk, and so uh, they gave me a pen and pad, and I said, my little finger on my left hand is broken, and. Can you please make her stop lifting my arm with that finger? Mm. And she, so they come in. She said, "Oh, he he thinks I'm trying to kill him, but I'm just trying to clean him up, help him." But that was why I was screaming because mm-hmm. it was broken. They come in there with the X-ray machine and say, "Okay, Doctor Sloan, what else is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, long process of being wired together and. Staying in, I don't know how long I was in the ER, but uh, you probably remember that better than I do. But uh, it was several days. Well, later on, they took you to, um, later on that, I'm not sure if it was that day. It might have been the following morning. I think you had uh, your wires, your jaw, you know, wired shut that Mm -hmm. next morning. I don't think they did anything that day. They cleaned you up and just tried to, um, like, get you stable, I think. And then the next morning, they had the specialist come in and look over you, take x-rays, you know, CT scan, whatever they did, and just to try to find out everything that was going on with you, uh, especially since you had had a jaw, head injury and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, the next day was the surgery, and uh, then you you were in the hospital, I want to say three weeks. I want to say one week in the ICU yeah. after the after the the jaw surgery, they kept you in ICU there for about a week or four or five days, and then he was in a regular room for a couple of weeks. Mm. And uh, then you know the process <clears throat> for you coming home and uh, learning how to sip through a straw and grind all your food with a blender or. Mm. You know, whatever we had to do to... Everything I ate yeah. had to be ground up. Yeah, he lost about 20 pounds and, you know, during that time. and I was in really good shape because I'd been working out and playing racquetball and basketball with kids at the church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, but I still lost about 20-something pounds. Yeah, well, just simply because you couldn't, you know, eat the volume of food that, you know, you were used to. And, and you didn't have an appetite, no. you know, at all. Well, I pain was hurting. And yeah. Right, yes, you were in pain. Because so. you your body was even covered in burns, like road rash. Road, thir- second and third degree burns all over my body, my from head to toe. And they would take me um, and put me in a thing I could sit in and had the water like a jacuzzi only it was a medical device that they would put me in they would give me morphine before they would take me there but they would take me there put me in this device and they had this ointment called silbidine it was to keep it was something they used on burn victims and they it was to keep down infection they would put that on and then they would scrape it off with gauze 
and these wounds were so tender. I remember one day um, I was sitting in there and my family had, was there by this time and Joel had gone in there with me, my oldest brother, and I'm sitting there and tears are just running down my face and I can't talk still. Uh, I didn't know it, but uh, I had nerve damage on my right vocal cord and blood clots on my left vocal cord, so I couldn't talk above a whisper. And I didn't even realize it, you know, but uh, I just knew I couldn't talk. And I motioned him, looked up, and he saw the tears running. I, I said, you know, and he, he leaned over so I could speak to him over the ru rushing of the water. And I said, I can't take it anymore. I just mm. can't take it. Just make her stop. And he said, just give us a moment, you know, just, and she's just sitting there. I remember she was just sitting there cheering her, just going through the process, you know, she, uh, and, seemingly feelingless you know and and it was i was hurting so bad and i said pray and so he he prayed and the peace of god came over me and i was sitting there for just a moment and when after he prayed i said okay she can go ahead now it was just i mean morphine couldn't touch the pain um but prayer mm -hmm. helped me to go through that. And uh, so many times, uh, I remember after I came home, I was sitting there and, and my friend that had gotten me the job there, Danny Bishop, at the ministry, he, he came to the house and he brought me a cassette tape that he had taken several recordings and put on there. And one one of the songs on that recording was a song by Karen Wheaton, He'll Do It Again. Mm. And I began to, I began to play that song over and over because I was hurt in my spirit. I said, God, I'm traveling the world. I'm going, I'm doing all I know how to do. And here I am in an accident that I can't even do what you've called me to do now. And and I'd learned by this time that I I didn't have the doctor come in and said, how long have you been, has your voice been like this? And I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh, I said, just since the accident, I guess. And uh, they later told me I had nerve damage. And that's another story. But anyhow, I was sitting there listening to that song, He'll Do It Again. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. Mm -hmm. And as I listened to that, it got into my spirit. And I knew that I was going to be okay. I was going to be able to come back and, and sing again. Mm -hmm. And um, because at that point, I didn't know, you know, I just didn't. I'd get up and, and walk to the bathroom and my knees would crack and start bleeding. Blood would be running down my legs and... I, I looked like an invalid, uh, they said, you know, when I, as I walked. They said I reminded them of my dad and his older years where he was kind of stooped and, and would just shuffle his feet because I was, I was wounded. Mm -hmm. But as this song began to play, it got into my spirit, and my spirit man was healed. Mm -hmm. And once my spirit man was healed, my body 
followed suit. Yeah. And that's something that we don't realize. But when you're wounded in your spirit, it affects you physically. And mm -hmm. if you can get healed, if you can get healed in your spirit, your body has to follow suit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it did for me. And I played that song for hours. I would play it and rewind it and play it again. And uh, it just, I knew that my sister had, had stayed with me. My family had to go back home and my sister had stayed with me because I lived alone and she was going to blend my food for me, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Gynell stayed with me and she uh, took me to the my doctor's appointments and I remember walking into the ear, nose and throat specialist and sitting there and he comes walking in and all chipper and says, okay, Mr. Sloan, open your mouth and let's see what's going on. And I looked up at him like, you dummy, did you not read my chart? I'm wired shut. And my mouth is wired shut. I said, and I can't open it. So, because uh, uh, then he told, he told me that I had the nerve damage and blood clots. And he said the blood clots will probably uh, go away eventually eventually but uh we need to do surgery on your nerve on your vocal cord for the nerve damage and i said doc how what are my chances and he said well 50 50. he said this is a tedious surgery and uh, i looked at gunnell and i said let's go mm -hmm. and see I, so we got up and i said uh thank you you know for your help but we gotta go and so we walked out, and I said, I'll never go back to him. Hmm. I'll never go back. I said, I'm not going to. I said, if God don't heal me, I won't be healed because hmm. I'm not going to have surgery that's 50-50 chance of doing something. And I know God can do it. Yeah. So uh, fast forward, I was in the I would have to go into the shower after I come home and, and uh get galls myself and and scrape these wounds all over my body and uh, get the silvodyne off and then reapply it or get somebody to help me reapply it. And uh, I was in the shower. I mean, this was so painful. I can't even explain it to you. That Those nerves on, on my skin were so, you know, raw. And uh, I was standing in there and and going through this process and just tears running down my face and I, I just stopped. I couldn't take it anymore and I began to worship. I just began to whisper this song. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. It was just in a whisper, you know, to worship you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that song, my voice came back full force. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Mm -hmm. Take joy. And the Spirit of God came on me, and I knew that he was going to restore my voice and bring me back. And I'd already had that assurance, but it was 
like God did that. And when, by the time I got out of the shower, my voice was back to a whisper, but I knew that I knew that I knew. And he touched me. And he's touched me so many times that I can't even count them. But he's faithful. Yes. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your situation is, he is a faithful, loving God that can reach down into the mid middle of your circumstances, your trials, your tribulations, your brokenness, your hurting, and he can mend you from the inside out, yes. mend your spirit, man, and bring a healing to your body that will yes. cause you to rise up and be the person of God that he's called you to be, that he's chosen you to be. There's so many pastors that are hurting in this time, so many, minist so many ministers and so many church people that are, have, they, they, they want to believe, they try to believe, but it's hard to believe with everything that's gone on. But God is faithful yes, to his children. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, And he will bring healing. He will bring deliverance. Whatever your need is, he is the God that will meet your need. And he will bring you through your situation. Mm -hmm. He like he brought me through it. And yes. I've traveled all over. So that was in June of 1989. And we've put thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles on vehicles and and no, I air countless air miles, <laughs> countless air miles, uh, traveling and proclaiming the healing power of God. But during during that process of of uh, healing, it was amazing what God did in me. He he gave me a I I allowed myself to become hard and get the job done. I mean, there was a lot of pressure on me to do these crusades that would touch the world. I knew, you know, we, we knew that the, the broadcast would go out all over the world, touch millions, untold millions of lives. And uh, there was a lot of pressure. I allowed, it, I allowed it to be a lot of pressure on me. I had become hard. I didn't like that, but I didn't know how to change it. I was just getting the job done, whatever it took. If I needed to pop a whip, I'd pop a whip. <laughs> yeah, not literally. But, <laughs> uh, you know, just to just to get get it done and get you know get the process through. And I'd become hard in this process and allowed myself to become somebody that I didn't like really. But God healed me of that during this process of mm -hmm. healing. And uh, I became sympathetic to, I, after that, Sheila and I would go and, and minister and I could, we would be singing and I'd look out and I'd see somebody and I could see the hurt in, in their life. I could mm -hmm. see the pain that they were going through and God allowed me to minister to them during our meetings, you know, and that's one of the things that allowed us to operate in such a, a um, an amazing, awesome presence of God was because of that sympathetic 
Uh, compassion. Uh, compassion yeah. that God mm-hmm. given had given me back, and uh, yeah, it was amazing. I'm just I'm just so thankful for what He did and what He continues to do in our lives. And uh, yeah, that's such a testament to God using something that was just so evil and and harm and in a bad situation and really brought it for good like only he can do right he can change things around right he said all things work together for the good of those who love god and are called according to his purpose you know and and sometimes we don't understand in life how you know we've said yes to god Mm-hmm. we've we've gone we're working you know we are working for the lord and giving everything to him and and then all of a sudden something happens yeah mm-hmm. and it's hard to understand yes. um and that's one of the mysteries of life that i don't know if we can always have answers for everything right we can't we can't but you know what we are promised is god's presence in yes. our suffering yes you know and that's that's when god really made himself real to you in those moments he did yeah very much so and and you were there throughout the whole there. process yes i was i was trying to look after thomas and make sure he was taken care of especially after his family left they couldn't stay forever you know and so after his family left, um, you know, members of the ladies in the band and stuff, we would uh, make sure he had food and food blended and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, had what he needed and yeah. and everything and uh, get groceries or, you know, do whatever we needed to do. And then at work, I kind of became the boss and, and the pressure that was on him was put on me. And mm-hmm. that was a, that was a hard thing. That was a really hard thing. Uh, to try to keep things going because Thomas had been such a a vital part and, um, you know, a stable part for mm-hmm. all those years. And now all of a sudden he wasn't there. And, uh, you know, we were having to move people around and do this just to kind of keep things going because we knew that he was going to come back, you know, at some point. But um, it was really stressful and, and very hard mm-hmm. to keep. To, to, things going she would come and see me and i'm sitting there all beat up and banged up and she would come and just be in tears and, mm. and i i just say baby I, I can't help you i'm sorry well it was tears for thomas and then tears for what was going on you yeah. know it was just it was so hard to see him like that and yeah. see him like you said i mean he looked like he was an invalid for months you mm. know because I mean, he couldn't walk across the floor, you know, uh, very steadily and and just, you know, so many things going on at the same time. It was just a yeah. really, really difficult time. time. But God was with us and he brought us through. And, and you guys were dating. You weren't even we, married yet. Right. We were still dating. And uh, I mean, every day after work, you know, if I could, I would come over and, you know, help him and make sure that he was, you know, and then I would leave and go home, go to bed, go to work and do that. You know, every day. As, I remember you, know, you I came out one time and your apartment had flooded. Uh, not, not your apartment, but your complex right. had we'd flooded. We had monsoon rains in, in yeah. Baton Rouge and my apartment complex had flooded. And when that happens... When it rains, it pours. I know. Mm. It's the truth. 
and in uh, in Baton Rouge, the fire ants are terrible. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. And uh, with all this flooding, the fire ants were on top of the water, and they would, I mean, they would just get you. They would yeah. just you would bite you, and I you would just be covered. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it was just like, <laughs> how many things can happen, you know, yeah. in one season, you know? Really? But, I mean, we made it through it all, and in, to- in September, Thomas came back to work part-time, and um, it was just, you know, a two, three hours a day at first. You know, I mean, he yeah. had to build up his strength. Well, and- before that, though, the July camp meeting came that uh, was a big process. Yeah. And you had to go through all that. Oh, yeah. Me. Well, that's what we were working on. We had been working on when you, uh, you know, when you had yeah. the accident and... Um, it was, yeah, it was a lot. Anyway, uh, Thomas came back to work part-time in September. And um, then by November, by camp meeting, Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving camp meeting, he was doing pretty good. You know, he had built up his stamina and was doing well. Well, during this time, I just felt like that I just needed a break. You know, that all of this had been a whole lot for me. And uh, I just needed a change of scenery. So... Mm-hmm. I had talked to my parents and um, and said, you know, I'd like to come home. I'd like to move home. And so after Thanksgiving camp meeting, um, I did. Uh, my mm-hmm. dad and my brother came in a U-Haul truck and got my stuff, and, and I moved home for a while. And Thomas, <laughs> I remember him calling me the day I got home. I was like, why did you leave? Why did, why did you go? And And I told him, I said, well, I said, you know, you're pretty much recovered now. You're on, you know, you're doing really well. And, and I just really needed a change. All this was, a, it was a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a whole lot. And I just, I felt like that I was ready to move on with my life. I was 29 and I wanted to eventually get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. At the time, I really didn't know if he was on the same page that I was about all that. You know, we mm-hmm. had dated for all this time, and um, but we had really never talked about marriage or anything like that. You know, I mean, we were just really good friends and worked together and, you know, had a lot of fun. And so I said, I, I want to go to the next step, and I want to get married. And, you know, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. You know, She we'll didn't be, say that to me. No, she but, didn't. I mean, we'll be friends forever, but... Um, you know, I'm ready to go on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So that's just what you were feeling. That's what inside. I was feeling. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, after Thomas recovered, um, he got to go out and minister. And so after I moved to Arkansas, we met up in Florida and met in different places and would do services. And you know, he would preach. We would do music and you know, do that kind of stuff. We did that several times over mm-hmm. the course of January, February, even March. Well, in March, I got um, a call from Janet Paschal, and she said that a pastor friend of hers in Connecticut had called her, and they had lost their music minister. Their music minister had left in the middle of their Easter production um, preparations. And so um, she said he asked her if she knew of anyone, and she knew that, you know, I was in Arkansas. And Mm -hmm. so she called me, and she said, I I think that you, you might be the fit to help them put things together there. Uh, would you be willing? And I said, sure, you know, I will. Mm-hmm. So I did, and the pastor called me, and we talked, and I moved there and, and helped them get through their Easter production. And it, it, everything just went wonderfully, you know, working with their choir and their theater, their drama people and everything. And, and then after the fact, he asked me if I would stay on, and I said, 
uh, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll stay until you hire somebody else. I'll be your interim person if you'll be looking well. I don't know that they looked very hard, <laughs> but at, at the same time, I was able to really pour into their people mm-hmm. and, um, and into their young people and their music department and everything. And their son had never really led worship and um, I'm not even sure I even knew that he could sing. But anyway, when he went, I, when I went and he started singing and working, I was like, hmm, there is something here. And um, I started help him know how to, you know, get in front of people and lead worship and select songs and do stuff like that and worked with him. And he sang in groups and different things. And um, it's just really cool because that... If for no other reason, God took me there for mm-hmm. that purpose because he is still leading worship today. That's mm-hmm. awesome. In their church. They have a great church in Connecticut. And um, still, so, you know, God just has a plan. Mm-hmm. Then after um, after a while, um, several times I had to go back because I had told them when I took, when I became the interim there that I already had some things scheduled throughout the year mm-hmm. um, in Louisiana and Arkansas and different places. So um, in August, I went back to Arkansas and did some things with my family. And um, I was on my way back to driving to Connecticut. I was in between Springfield and Branson, Missouri, and my I had a blowout on my tire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a trucker stop and help me put the tire back on and everything. He said, ma'am, he said, if I were you, I would not go back to Connecticut on these tires. You need a new set of tires. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? You know? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I go back. I'm a couple hours from home. So I drive back to Arkansas and I tell my mom what he says and everything. And so I get a new set of tires. Well, in the meantime, I called Thomas and let him and told him what, because we had been communicating through all this and mm-hmm. talking and Still friends. everything. Still friends. And so, uh, uh, and even... You had flown me home for Christmas. I did. I missed that, but before, mm. before uh, you had flown me to South Carolina for Christmas, and we had spent some Christmas time mm. together, and that is when we kind of started to talking about getting married. Well, so during all this time passed. So this was August. Mm-hmm. So I called him about that, and ju- we just started talking, and he said. So where do you want to get married? It was just so out of the blue, but that's if you know him. That's yeah. you know. Sometimes he just pulls stuff out of the blue. And I it's said, not out of the blue to no, him, though. Right? I know. I said what? So, uh, and when do you want to get married? I was like, what? You know. Yeah. So anyway, we made started making the decisions to get married and and started planning in the wedding and. Um, then in October, I came to Louisiana, and he gave me his enga- the engagement ring in the parking lot of Chili's, mm-hmm. and, which is our one of our, place. our places. <laughs> and uh, yeah. then I moved home in November right before Thanksgiving and uh, to finish the preparations for the wedding. And then um, in December, we got married. La, la. Yeah, all, all of that leading up to that uh, moment. So much life. You didn't life. know what you were getting into. Man, <laughs> I, I decided to ask a few questions and I didn't realize it would take, but it's so much of life, you know, yeah. so much happened and each part is so significant. I mean, even you going back home because of the tires, but you know, right. just 
So God's hand has been on your lives, and that's so evident throughout yes. your your stories of singleness and then your stories together, how we started. Mm-hmm. We started this all talking about you know you launching out in ministry together, but I think it's important to back up and talk about everything that led up to that because it's that history with God in your own personal lives that led you to take that step of faith mm-hmm. uh, starting out together right. in ministry as a team. And that it's the history with God that makes us have brave faith. Yes. And, and that's so evident. We learn to trust Him. Right. That's right. And if we could say that if any of you are single out there and um, you may or may not have a boyfriend or, you know, whatever your status is, um, just do what God has called you to do. And if it's the desire of your heart to be married, then God's going to put that together. He's going to put you together just like he did Thomas and I. I was from Arkansas. Thomas was from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he put us both in Louisiana mm-hmm. at, at the same time, at the right time. Uh, nothing is impossible with God. You know, he will work the puzzle pieces of your life and put things together so you and your potential spouse will be there at the same time. That's right. The main thing is that you do what you're supposed to do and you be obedient. You say that yes to God in your single season mm-hmm. and that he is going to bring you together with someone that you can say yes to God in your couple season. That's so good. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Mm -hmm. All the things that you need in your natural life and your spiritual life would be added to you as you seek God and follow, chase him, follow after him. Yes. And he will bring the necessary things in your life that you need and want, not just need but desire. Yes. That's right. Amen. We've seen that too. Yes. We've seen God do that personally. Well, I just want to thank you both so much for sharing and being vulnerable with your stories. I think it will really impact so many people and inspire them. We pray it does. Yeah, inspire them to have, have brave faith and to build that history with God because you can both attest it's so worth it. Oh, yes. So Absolutely. worth it. Yes, it is. Well, Mom, will you pray us out? Okay. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come together and to um, share the stories of our lives, Lord, that you have put together, that you directed our steps and made. And we just ask that you would touch each and every listener, Lord, that they would be ministered to and they would be impacted and encouraged and be given hope, Lord, in their journey with you, that you do have good plans for them as your word declares, Lord, and you have a hope and a future for them, that they're not forgotten, even though if if anything isn't happening and happening seemingly in their life right now, that, that even when they don't see it, you are working, Lord Jesus, yeah. that you mm-hmm. are faithful, God, and the things that you have put in their heart and the promises in your word are true, and they will come to pass at the right time. And we just thank you, and we give you all glory and praise for everything that is accomplished in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Brave Faith Podcast by Awesome Presence Ministries. You can find out more about Brave Faith and Awesome Presence Ministries at awesomepresenceministries.com. There, you can also donate if you feel so led. 
Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and subscribe for future updates.